Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I have a question to ask you, and you don't have to say it out loud. Just just think about what I'm going to ask you. And how you respond to it is going to be very important because how you respond to it in some ways will determine how you're going to live out your life. Are you going to live out your life victoriously? Are you going to live out your life as, as more than a conqueror? Or are you going to live out your life sometimes feeling defeated and also feeling condemned or guilty? So this is the question. Do you see yourself as a righteous person? I want you to think about it. Do you see yourself as a righteous person? And that question is so important because... The answer to that is going to determine how you walk and how you live out your life with the Lord. Some of you might be thinking, well, I have good days and bad days. Well, I might need to try a little bit more. Well, this week didn't really exemplify a righteous person. Or you might be, whoo, I'm a humdinger, righteous, all the way, baby. (laughs) I just, this is so important, guys, listen. Because I want to declare something to you. Uh, Right on the front end of this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Period. So in any way, if you're condemning yourself, beating yourself up, thinking, oh, I didn't hit the mark, that's not God. Because that's not how he sees it. That's not how he sees you. So I want us to look at a verse, Hebrews 10, verse 14. And this is a key verse. So are you ready? Yes. All right. (laughs) Look at me on verse 14. Can we pull that up? Hebrews 10, 14. And by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Let that sink in for a minute. He has made us, because of the one perfect sacrifice, he's made us perfectly holy and complete. Lacking in nothing for all eternity. The sacrifice that Jesus paid for you and me was so effectual, was so powerful, that what that one act did set in eternity something in your life that declares who you are and how God sees you forever and ever. So the death of Jesus on the cross, it wasn't an accident. 
It was not something that was forced on him that he, he had to succumb to. And it wasn't something that God just, you know, just didn't foresee coming, like it just snuck up on God. It was a sacrifice that God had ordained in which Jesus, as our priest, he's a priest, he offered himself to God as the sacrifice. And by that one sacrifice, he made provision for all the needs of the human race. Every area of our lives was provided through the sacrifice of Jesus for all eternity. It's set. It's sealed. It's done. So as Christ offered up his life as a sacrifice, he orchestrated what I'm going to call today as the divine exchange. The divine exchange. And what is so important is that we learn to live daily in the reality of this great exchange. We've got to live in this mindset that, that there's some transaction that's taken place that we will live in forever. And the good news is this. Is that this ordained exchange that God set up all the evil and all the penalty that was due for, for you and me, all of, all of the, the wrath, the penalty, the evil one's ways, Jesus became that sin. And in that, all the good that was due him, the sinless, obedient son of God, who was slain before the foundation of the world, he took all of that. So all the good that was deserving of for him came to us. He took all the evil and we took all the good. Now that's an incredible exchange, don't you think? He took the bad, we got the good. This is an incredible exchange that has taken place that is set forever. All right. I want to talk, I want to go into this next aspect of this exchange, which is very simple. It's simply, it's the issue of sin and it's the issue of righteousness. I want to distinguish between sin singular and sin Plural. There's two, okay? Sins, plural, are the sinful acts that we commit, that we can commit on a daily basis or weekly. And Jesus, obviously, as you know, was punished for those sinful acts that we might be forgiven. And then there's a sin singular, which is because of our evil nature, because of our fallen nature, because of of what took place in the garden, our deliverance from that sin is complete by the very virtue of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. So that sets us positionally with salvation that reigns forever because of the finished work of the cross. 
So what happens in Isaiah 53, it's a revelation of, of the soul of Jesus who basically was, was made sin on our behalf that we might be sinless and free forever because of that one act. I want you to track with me because I'm building something here, church. I'm just wanting you to follow me. I know some of this is, you've heard it before, but the reason that I believe this is so important, what I'm getting ready to share with you, is that some of you are not walking in it. Some of you don't really believe it. And this is something that has to be received by faith in your heart for this transaction to take place and for you to live victoriously in your body on this earth. And so in that, so what's opposite of, 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 of sinfulness is what? Righteousness, okay? And, and he made us righteous with his righteousness. So it's not you being good. It's not you doing works. It's not you trying a little harder. It's not you doing anything. It is a free gift, and it's God's righteousness being given to you. You know, I, I really believe that the enemy has just tried to steal the reality of this because we, we really, it's our inheritance, and it's been set forever. But why are we still living like we're still this old man with this old thinking, stinking thinking? I mean, it, it's got to go. So the reality of this great exchange if you can embrace it in faith, it's going to transform your life. And it's going to determine how you walk out your life here on this earth. Because, you know, really, I, I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, I think the Lord's highlighted it today. You know, there's been some battles going on in some people's heads, right? There's been a little bit of warfare going on in people's minds right now. And the battle is where? In between these two things. Your ears the battle is in the, in the mind and so therefore if your mind is transformed into the truth it will transform the way you see yourself and then also it will transform the way you feel and walk out your life here on this earth so Isaiah 53 10 turn with me there Isaiah 53 10 but the Lord was pleased to crush him putting him to grief and if he would render himself as a guilt offering, basically the, that word guilt can also be trans, uh, the same word for sin offering and guilt offering is the same. Okay, so guilt offering, he will set, he will see his offspring and he will pro prolong his days and the pleasure, the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This is a clear prediction, a prophetic uh, proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After he had been made a sin offering, a guilt offering, it says that he shall see his seed, he shall see his descendants, he shall see his children, and he shall prolong his days. 
and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I mean, that couldn't happen if Jesus had remained dead. But the good news is he rose from the grave. So now he's going to say, I get to see my children. I get to see my seed come forth and they're going to prosper. But I want to focus on the statement that God the Father, uh, well, that made, he made the soul of Jesus the sin offering or the guilt offering. So the key word there really is guilt. And I want you to just hang on to that for a minute. Now, when we understand that the sacrifices in the old covenant were just a preview of what was going to take place in the new covenant through the sacrifice of Jesus. It was just a foretaste, a foreshadowing. See, under the old covenant, if a, if a, if a man committed a certain type of sin, he was required to find an appropriate offering. So, you know, he might have to go get a, go get a bowl or he might have to go get a goat or he might have to go get whatever, a sheep. He might have to go get an animal. And so the man goes into the tabernacle and he's got his sacrifice, his animal. He goes into the sacrifice, he goes into the temple and he would then confess his sin to the priest. And then the priest would take his hands and he would lay his hands on the head of the animal. And symbolically what was taking place is that the sin of the man was being transferred to the animal. It was going to the animal. And then the priest would slay the animal and in essence, the sacrifice of the animal paid the penalty for the sin of the man. Do you see that? Okay, that was a pattern in the Old Testament of how sin was forgiven. And all that, all that, it's just a picture of what happened when Jesus was on the cross. Because God the Father laid his hands upon his son and transferred the sin of humanity, all our sin into the soul of Jesus. And I, you know, I can't imagine that moment of transferring, just like the priest would transfer the sin of a man onto that animal and then sacrifice it. God the Father transferred the sin of the world into the soul of his son. He took it all. And then an amazing statement in all of that. I mean, Jesus said, God, if it be your will, let this cup, let me not drink from this cup. And because he saw in the cup, he saw that he was going to have to receive the sin of the world into his soul. And I, I, I know he saw in the cup, he saw his physical punishment. He saw the treatment that he was going to have to endure and go through. But in that, he said, my God, my God, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. 
and he was willing to drink from the cup, which meant he was willing to allow the father to transfer the sin of the world into his son and become the offering for you and me. I want you to understand that the absolute purity and holiness of Jesus making his soul into the sin, sins of all the world. I, I, you know, and, and the weight of that. And you know how crushing it was because it says that, that, you know, when he was in, in the garden in Gethsemane, Gethsemane basically means wine press, okay? And basically it was so heavy that the weight of the wine press pushed down upon Jesus as he received the sin into his soul. What happened to him? It was so intense he sweat blood. And in that, it just was so, uh, I can't fathom. I just can't fathom what the sinless Lamb of God was going through. But I want you to understand something, that his soul became the sin offering to humanity. You know, I, I think that some of us, we look back on our past and, and, and we wish that certain things never would have happened. Have you ever had anything in your life you just wish never would have happened? That sometimes it could be so even embarrassing to even remember it? I, I'm so grateful that those chapters in our lives where we wish things just did not happen, through the sacrifice of Jesus, God allows you to take the volume or the book of your life and that chapter that basically you're embarrassed to even talk about, he just takes it and rips it out. He says, you know what? That, that chapter doesn't belong in your life anymore. So he just takes it out. And in that, I want you to think of the sinless Son of God taking upon himself the total sinlessness of the entire race, sinfulness of the entire race. And so in that, it's just staggering to think. So on the cross, he was made sin with our sinfulness. Just like we read in the Old Covenant where the animal took the sin of the man. So let's now shift gears to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And I know many of you have read this, but what Paul is quoting in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he's going back to Isaiah 53.10. He's talking about the guilt offering, the sin offering. And I'll, because to understand that the word sin is the same word used as guilt or guilt offering. So they're the same words, but they're used in two different places here. So 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. See, that can't be any clearer. This is a picture of the great exchange. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness. Now, I want you, 
uh, to be ready to complete this because uh, let, let's just say it this way. This is all taking place that we might be righteous with his righteousness. Not ours. It's the righteousness of God. See, this is a staggering scripture because in some ways, you cannot receive the truth of this without believing it, without putting your faith in it, without realizing that this is an incredible position that you stand before God for all eternity and God declares over you, you're perfectly holy. You're perfectly righteous. Not because of anything that you've done. It's my righteousness. My son took your penalty and now what I want you to do is receive my righteousness. This has to be a shift in your mind. If, if you're in guilt, if you're struggling with condemnation, you're not embracing the great exchange. You're staying in the mud like the pigs. God is saying, okay, it's like this. You fall into a certain sin. You fall into whatever the sin might be. And this is something God is wanting us to practice daily. A righteous mindset. God is wanting you to learn daily to live victoriously by seeing yourself as righteous. Not because of any good behavior. Not because of you being a good boy or girl. The reality is that you're participating in the great exchange by saying, God, forgive me, forgive me for my sins. I'm asking that you cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And now by faith, I receive the free gift of righteousness. And I receive it, and I'm going to put it on me like a garment. And I'm going to see myself as righteous before you. And see, when you practice that, when you enter into that, because the scripture says in 1 Timothy, pursue righteousness. He said, he said to him, he said, Timothy, don't look for riches. Don't go after riches. He said, I want you to pursue righteousness. What does it say in Matthew? It says in the Lord's prayer, it says, don't worry about all the other stuff. He said, first, seek first the kingdom. And then what does he say? Seek first his righteousness. Do you, you know, we, we read about seek first the kingdom. But do we really read about all the time, seek first his righteousness? What does that mean? It means practice, train yourself in righteous living. It means to seek after, go after having a mindset that you have the mind of Christ and you are made righteous in him. And therefore, what that does is this. The enemy is going to accuse you day and night. He stands before the throne. He's accusing you all the time, saying that you're no good. 
You're not what you think you've really changed. Your old nature is still coming up. He's taunting you all the time. And this gives you a safeguard to walk a life victoriously in Christ. Where the old man passes away and you enter into the newness of a new mindset in Christ that you are righteous before him. I mean, church, listen, if you can really grasp this, you ought to be getting up out of your chair right now and dancing. You ought to be so excited about the fact that right now you are righteous before God. Some of you ought to just like say, man, that's the best thing I've ever heard. And it's like, really? I mean, you guys are looking like a cow looking at a new gate, you know? I mean, really? You know, I believe this because it says it in my Bible. And if he said it, it's a fact. It's a done deal. We are of the righteousness in Christ. And that has got to get anyone excited if you've struggled in your mind with how you see yourself. See, Isaiah 61 says this. Turn there. I'm going to get you all excited about this. Isaiah 61.10. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. I am saved. I am blood-bought for eternity. And he's wrapped me with robes of righteousness. Now, come on. I mean, it's like, and he says, and I will greatly, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. You're not moderately happy. You're not giving a little golf clap. You're like, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I am righteous. And in that, your soul exalts in the Lord. It exalts in the Lord. So stop giving him a golf clap. I mean, come on. We've got to get really excited about this exchange. I, I, I'm telling you, how many of you on a, on, let me just say it this way. How many of you came in today struggling with something that you're trying to forgive yourself of? I'm sure it's in the room. That doesn't have to be. You don't have to wrestle with it. Just say, you know what? I'm going to take the great exchange. God, forgive me. Forgive me. And by faith, I receive this incredible gift of your righteousness into my heart right now, in my mind. And I thank you, God, that right now, before, as I stand before you, you see me through the blood of your son, and you see me as righteous. And you don't have to struggle You don't have to condemn yourself. See, that's why Paul said in Romans 8. See, Romans 8 is is living, that whole chapter is living a successful life in the spirit. But see, the opening verse in chapter of Romans 8 is what? For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So the reality is, is that No condemnation 
is the gate, is the door to go into the Spirit-filled life in Jesus where we're free. And to whom the Son is set free is free indeed. See, He's clothed you with garments of salvation, wrapped you with a robe of... I mean, that's, that's a double transaction, guys. First of all, salvation. God takes away your filthy garments of your sin. He clothes you with garments of salvation. That's my boy. That's my girl. Garments of salvation. And I trust everybody here, you got on your garment of salvation. But I want to tell you there's more. The salvation is glorious in itself. But there's more. Don't stop just at salvation. Don't stop just that you're saved. Now he's saying, go for the more. Go for the more and just go ahead and put on the robe. Just go ahead and put on the robe because you're going to look good in that robe. Go ahead and put on that new robe. You know, it's like, you know, you see that you hear the prodigal son. When the father ran, he grabbed him, he kissed him, and, and he, he put a ring on his finger, and he put a robe on his shoulders. He'd just been in the pig pen, but see, he came home and he repented, and now the father's saying, that's my boy. And he puts on a robe. I imagine he smelled a little bit, smelled like pigs. But he still said, no, he's born for righteousness. He put a robe on him and he made him righteous. So this wrapping around you is, 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 is a garment that you need to allow the father put over your shoulders, which is his righteousness. So I want you to think today. I want you to realize today this whole issue is right in your head. Are you going to believe it or not? Are you going to believe that this is true? Are you going to believe the fact that, you know, it says the righteous fall what? One time? It says the righteous fall many times. Well, see, the privilege is, the good news is, is that the righteous get back up. And the only way the righteous can get back up is by golly taking, appropriating by faith the good news that you are righteous. So get out of the mud, get out of the ditch, and put on your robe. Because this is all a part of the atonement of Jesus. This is all a part of what he's made for us. Present tense, you are of the righteousness of Christ. You are righteous. So 1 Timothy 6.11, I kind of alluded to that. It says, pursue righteousness. Go after it. Apprehend it. Wrestle it. Do whatever you got. Just go get it. Seek first righteousness. Righteousness training is something that needs to be a part of our life. Romans 5.17 says this. Romans 5.17, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Do you see that? Those who receive the abundance of grace, it's not by works, and of the gift of righteousness. This is a gift to you. This is a gift from Jesus. This is a gift from the Father to you to receive his righteousness today and get off the filthy rags, put on his garment. And if, if we understand that, that there can be an exchange taking place today, because see, if you're feeling guilty, see, the, the devil's weapon against you right now is to make you feel guilty for everything. If he's got you in guilt, then the victory of the cross is fully not operating in your life. Because see, he's accusing you before the Father. And see, guilt is the very weapon that the enemy uses to try to derail you and get you to really just, I, I give up. I can't do this Christian thing. I can't do this anymore. He's trying to get you to feel guilty about everything in your life. You know, there's a record in heaven. And, and the devil, is. if we could imagine, he's standing before the, the judgment seat of God. He's standing before the judge himself. And it says this in, in Revelation, that he's accusing you. He's declaring who you are, really are. But the good news is this. The judge stands there and he hears the accusations of the enemy. And here you stand and the devil. He's, he's accusing you and you're standing there. Yeah, he's right. The verdict is in and I'm probably going to be condemned. And all of a sudden, on the side of the room, in the courtroom, a man in a robe comes in. And his name is Jesus. He says, Honorable Father, Judge, I declare to you that I've paid in full the penalty of this man standing before you. I've paid his debt in full. I could have been condemned in prison forever. My, my penalty could be that I would, I would be in jail for the rest of my life. And the devil's there accusing me and say, yeah, he belongs in there for the rest of his life. And I'm standing there thinking, yeah, I guess it's what it's going to be. And then Jesus says, no, Father, I've, I've paid for it completely. His debt is no more. And the judge takes the anvil, slams it down, and says, not guilty. Not guilty. And all of a sudden, do you think I would just be like, well, that was just a nice moment. Uh, let's just give him a little clap. I would be jumping up. If I knew my verdict was I was going to be in prison the rest of my I would be jumping up and down. I'd be kissing everybody. I would be grabbing the babies. I would just be so excited that, that I'm free. And, and see, the reality is the penalty of your sin 
was death. And the good news is, is that the judge says, because of my son, not guilty. We ought to be dancing in the streets. I'm telling you what, we are free. To whom the Son is set free is free indeed. But understanding that is receiving the robe of righteousness. So I declare over everybody right now, you are of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's a gift. You're welcome. It's a gift. So throw off, throw off this guilt. I'm going to warn you, you know, the enemy is hounding us, trying to bring guilt upon us. And, and the good news is that there's no guilt. So if you're feeling guilt, it, it's something isn't connecting. <laughs> See, guilt makes you feel like, ah, I got to do a little bit more. Well, what I did was not enough. Oh, Lord, what else can I do to make things right? It's like when you're feeling guilt, it's almost like you feel like, you're in this quandary or in your, you're, you're in this situation that it never gets complete. It never gets taken care of. Have you ever, you know, had somebody be upset with you and rejected you, mistreated you, and no matter what you say to the person, it just doesn't make it right? It's like, it's like, you, it's like this whole thing is weird, you know? Yeah, okay, I, yeah, I might have hurt you. And it's like, it's like you can never do enough to just make it right. Well, <laughs> that has to end. Because in Jesus, there's no question. There's no like, well, is, is, am I really right? Or, or is everything really taken care of? What did the scripture say in the beginning that we said and read in Hebrews 4, 10, 4? You were made perfect for all eternity you are made right you are made holy for all eternity it's been finished it's done do you believe it do you receive it do you embrace it do you hold on to it is that's your reality and not what the enemy says the sacrifice of jesus is all effectual forever and ever. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Is that good news or what? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Nothing, nothing that the devil can bring against you is ever going to prosper in Christ Jesus. So just relax for a moment. Just Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Nothing that he can form against you is going to prosper. He'll try, but the good news is he's going to fail. 
He's going to fail because of the finished work of the cross. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Notice God doesn't say, I'll condemn them. He says, what? You will condemn them. And in that, he's going to accuse you. But the good news is that as you embrace this reality, you can tell him basically where to go. You just, just remind him, you know, one day you're going somewhere. And it's going to be forever. So you're not to come into guilt. The reality is, is that we're free on the basis of the finished work of the cross. I'm going to wind this down, but the enemy is very accusatory. And the good news is that in Revelation, what we see is that that they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. So how do we do that? That we need to testify personally of what the blood has done for us. And when you declare that to the evil one, because the scripture says in James 4, submit yourselves unto God and resist the devil and he will flee. It's real simple. You know, God can say so much in few words, but what is being resisted with is the blood of the lamb. You resist the devil with the blood by declaring what the blood has done for you. So when you're feeling guilty and you're feeling ashamed and you feel you're, you're, you're not loving yourself, you're basically able to declare to the evil one, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me of all sin, of all guilt, and therefore, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has made me righteous. I am righteous because of the blood of the Lamb. I stand before God righteous. I am in right standing. I am of the righteousness of God. And therefore, I am right in Him. And the scripture says, you're made perfect. The effectual work of the cross, He's made you perfect forever now this is all from God's point of view in what he's done for you it's not what you've done it's what he's done but the issue is this do you believe if I asked you the question now do you see yourself as righteous could you actually answer that differently now could you actually receive the truth of what the word says about you because of what Jesus has done? And you might say, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to because the blood forgives everything. And the reality is no matter what you've done, you're forgiven, you're cleansed, and you're made righteous. So I want to ask you again now, 
If I were to ask you if do you see yourself as righteous, what would you say? How about tomorrow? Wednesday. Saturday? Two weeks from now? A month? All right, I'll go a year. Come on. Yeah. Water's warm. I can't help myself. I just went into the rehab last night and I was talking and I go into the jails with Dan Webb and there's a scripture that we use all the time. And it's 1 John 1, 9. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What happens when you do something you don't want to do or you know isn't quite right? The first thing you do automatically is, God, forgive me. It just comes out because you're righteous, okay? And so you right then have already confessed it. And so right there, he has already cleansed you. That's right. So stop beating yourself up over things that, you know, you can ask him, help me to stop this. But he's not looking at what you're doing. He is looking at what he can give you to help you. <laughs> he doesn't care about the rest of it. God is good. Yeah. What, what is good about condemnation? Nothing. So he's not going to condemn you. He's going to build you up. Yeah. So stop doing it to yourself. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> I just want to share testimony to this because last year the Lord really did a work in identifying guilt that I was carrying. And it's one of those things for me. I know the Lord oftentimes can heal in an instant, but it took time for me, for my brain, that mind shift, mindset shift to happen. And so I just encourage you. For those that are battling this, it doesn't necessarily have to happen overnight or in a moment. It takes time of feeding on the word. Galatians, I was parked in Galatians for like a year of the Lord showing you're not in, under the law, you're under grace. And so I just, yeah, I just want to share that if you feel defeated right now, it doesn't mean you will in a year or a month or next week. Like the Lord can work in baby steps and getting in the word and reminding yourself of that truth is what does it. So I just want to share. Amen. That's good. Amen. 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 Well, righteous individuals, let's all stand. Lord Jesus, we are in awe of you and are so grateful for you and that, Jesus, you became the guilt offering. That, Lord Jesus, you took all of our sin you took all the guilt. You took all of the world's brokenness into your soul. 
and you paid the penalty in full that the Father might give us his righteousness, the great exchange. And so, Lord Jesus, I'm asking today, Lord, if there's anyone, Lord, that um, is still struggling with guilt, Lord, I'm asking that you would just reach them today and meet them right where they are. Because you became the guilt and you paid for it so they don't have to feel guilty anymore. So, Lord, that is just an amazing grace. How sweet the sound that's saved a wretch like us. And, Lord, we thank you that you had this a part of your whole plan from the beginning of time. The sinless Lamb of God would take upon our sin that we might receive His righteousness and be made right before God. Lord, I pray this great exchange would begin to take place in people's hearts as they embrace it by faith. But Lord, if there's anyone here that needs help today, that needs prayer today, that needs encouragement today to let go of it all, to receive this good news. Lord, I pray that you would just, um, if you just need, you know, this is really between you and the Lord. And if you just, you just want to kind of like get things right with God, you know, just come on up front and just kneel at the altar. It's kind of like it, the sacrifice that was paid for you and, the, and what Jesus has done for you it is, is worth just even getting out of your chair and getting up here. Uh, you, you can't even compare. But the reality is, is that you might need to take the first step and just come and get some prayer. And just, just come and kneel down up front. If you just know, Lord, I, wanna, I just want to get rid of this guilt and receive your righteousness. I just want you to come forward. So, Lord, I praise you and I thank you for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Lord, we thank you for his shed blood that he shed on the cross for us and paid for the penalty of our sin that we might receive this beautiful robe of righteousness. And we thank you and we praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God.